This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to you. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anas Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth... Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anas Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of DailyThunder.com and Almighty Baller Radio. You can also listen to us on Dash Radio Saturday afternoons. And with me today, Wednesday, Hot Ham Wednesday, John Ham. John Ham, what's up? Uh, it is gloomy and dreary again, and we still don't have basketball in the area. I know. It is. It's awful outside today. <laughs> It has been for a few <laughs> yesterday was really nice. We, I did the uh, my wife and I did the half marathon on Sunday and the weather was atrocious awesome. for that. Mhm. Uh but we made it. Yeah. I so I mean for the past few years I've been saying that I'm going to get involved in that and I seem to suffer some kind of weird injury every year. Um so I, you know I didn't I didn't plan on doing it this year and it's good because Saturday morning I, I wrenched my lower back literally just shooting a jump shot. <laughs> oh, no. that is, that's literally all I did. <laughs> we, were, uh, we were set up over at, um, I think it's Woodson Park is the name of it. We uh-huh. were doing our basketball show. It was me and Jerry Fred Katz. We were doing our show from there. This is over at South 33rd in May. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, before the show, I mean, we're just kind of taking jumpers, just kind of having fun. You know, I was I was doing Kareem sky hooks. I was doing some, you know, uh, Andre Robertson duck from the corner, hit top of the backboard type things. Um, <laughs> but then I just went up and I just I just took a normal jump shot, not even like screwing around. And I felt my low back just kind of like give, and I, I know that feeling. And I went, oh boy, I'm I'm gonna pay for this. Um, so yeah, I was basically I was basically useless. Comes to Saturday afternoon through Sunday night. Um, I had to go on a field trip with my daughter on Monday. That was painful. Um, just shooting a jump shot. Lower back muscles are no joke, man. They're, they're... No, my SI is just, it's got this habit of, of shifting. Um, you know, I need to strengthen my core, but it hurts to do that. So why do it? You <laughs> it know, so. That's right. Uh, more, more donuts, less, less crunches. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so today we are just going to do a mailbag. We've got a lot of good questions from Twitter followers. So we're just going to fire through some questions. So my question for you before we get started with this mailbag is, so the Thunder 47 wins this season, and you would assume that all these guys are going to get better. Steven Adams will be better. Well, Depot will be better. Abrinas will come back better. Uh, McDermott will probably play more. They should have more shooting just because of that. Even Robertson could get better. Let's say that they bring back, they run back the same team. Uh, do you think that they would be better record-wise? Because my concern with this team overall is if they do just kind of go forward with this continuity, which I do think is important. But if they move forward, they won so many games 
in the clutch this season where Russ just saved the team's butt and they would have a record with like 33 wins or something like that without him doing what he did. And let's say next season he only does about half of that. Do you think that the team's improvement will be enough for this team to get back to where they were wins-wise? Um, or do you think they could be better? What are, what are your thoughts on this team? And it's, and it's so hard to say. It's almost impossible to say because we don't know what the team construct will be. But let's just say right. that this is the team. Do you think that what do you what do you think the improvement looks like next year for like the squad they have now? Yeah, I mean, you it, it's a great point to bring up the clutch time stuff uh, because that didn't translate. Strangely, it seems to have translated for Isaiah Thomas from the regular season to the playoffs. Um, right, right. You know, for for Russ, is that going to carry over? You know, maybe to some degree. I know Fred Katz likes to keep pointing out that. Past performance is not necessarily, you know, something you can use to forecast. Um, but I think to an extent, um, I think let's let's say you brought back, just brought back the team, and let's say Todd isn't brought back. You know, it's just brought, you know, bring back Sabonis, Grant, and and make some other changes. Um, I think they could be a better team with maybe fewer clutch situations yeah. for Russ to have to be heroic in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, maybe they maybe they could improve, you know, maybe record wise a game or two. But I'm looking more like could the margin of victory be bigger than it was this season? And I, I think it could. Um, I think they could probably win by a few more points. And like I say, kind of cut down on those uh, tight games a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one way to do it. Um, but again, like you said, there's a whole lot of stuff we don't we don't know what the team's going to look like yet. Yeah. It's just something that I that I thought of because uh, mm-hmm. I do think there will be marginal improvement from a lot of guys, uh, but I just wonder if it's enough. And right. maybe if Russ's usage rate is lower, maybe this team could have more success. I don't know. There's just a lot of variables, and I I think predicting if this team is pretty close to the same and they make a couple moves that are kind of tweaks here and there. I think picking the win total for next year is going to be incredibly difficult because <laughs> I could see yeah. them as low as like 40 and as high as 50. And 10 yeah. wins in an 82-game season, that's a massive range. So, Yeah. And, you know, like I even picked the Thunder to win 47 this past season in the preseason, and that's before I knew Russ was going to be a clutch time hero. So, yeah, sometimes you're going to get some of those factors that you you know can't possibly anticipate. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think on the whole, they could bring back just the team as is and improve a bit record wise. But also, it's going to be interesting too to see what else happens around the league. Our hot hand player of the week is you, OKC. Sam Presti mentioned in his press conference that people were mentioning him in the grocery store, how bad the backup point guards are. And I just want to just thank you and giving you guys the Hot Hand Player of the Week. And the Hot Hand Player of the Week is sponsored by Anchor Down. You can check out Anchor Down. It's in Deep Deuce in downtown Oklahoma City. They are known for their corn dogs, uh, but they should also be known for their pizza tots and their delicious salads. They've got a great patio. The weather is going to start looking a lot nicer. And Anchor Down is a great place to go hang out with some buds, grab a beer, uh, preferably an Anthem beer, and enjoy just some great food and some great atmosphere. So go check out Anchor Down this summer. If you've never been, uh, the summertime is the best time. And back to the podcast. 
Let's get into some of these Twitter questions. So this is from Seth underscore Odam. Who makes the biggest jump over the summer, Abrinas, Grant, or McDermott? Uh, I'm in. I mean, my first reaction is Abrinas, but I've also been thinking a lot about Jeremy Grant lately, and wondering you know, could he possibly be the starting power forward next season? Hmm. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially with how he, it's not. he hit from three this year, uh, which yeah. I, I still – I know the season's over. Um, but I don't know if 37% is sustainable for him. I would like to see him get more attempts. I mean, it's only on one and a half attempts per game, so it's not that many. Uh, yeah. So I'd like to see – him get more attempts. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I I'm think, throwing it out there. It's yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, I mean, just just a possibility that I came up. I mean, in that in that five game series where he did mostly play power forward or center, um, you know, his PER went up to sixteen and a half. I know his three point shooting wasn't that good, but I mean, it just made me think that he's got a shot blocking ability. They've worked with him on putting the ball on the floor. Um, you know, they have worked with him on, you know, on that corner three. I don't know much about his passing, if that's going to get a whole lot better, but, um, I, I, it just, it makes me wonder if he couldn't be, uh, you know, in the running to, to actually take that spot. I think as Fred has also mentioned, I think he was acquired as not you thought of as a three man and they've kind of realized that's not the spot for him. Yeah. I think it's possible. I think that he would have to improve quite a bit to become a starting caliber NBA player. I think that Sabonis is probably closer and probably more apt to make that jump to being a starter caliber player. Um, But I think I would side with Abrinas here. I think that he's already really good and he already has a definable NBA skill in his shooting. And I think that he can only get better from here. Uh, so I, I would go with Abrinas, and he has like a very clear role on this team coming off the bench as a shooter. Uh, I think that he could play a lot of minutes next year. I think that him just getting comfortable playing over here in the NBA I think is a big deal. So uh, I'm going to go with Abrinas. I think that he could be, if Oladipo continues to start, I think that he could be a six-man type type of guy for them. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some different combos they can do there. But uh, needless to say, I, I think Abrinas is probably the young guy that I'm I'm most highest on at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question from OK Loves Zero: Can we keep both Taj and Andre? How much can we believe exit interview assurances from players? Because last summer, dot 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 dot. Yeah, um, I I just don't. Whenever they acquired Taj, my initial thought was this is a rental. Then I thought, ah, there's a chance he's back. Mm-hmm. But the more I look at it, it just doesn't seem likely. Um, just, I mean, looking at what they're going to have to pay Russ, Adams, Oladipo, potentially Robertson, you know, then they're going to have to start looking for some creative, you know, uh, some bench additions there. And I, mm-hmm. in other words, I think in the form of draft picks. So, I don't know. I just the more and more I think about this, the more I think it's less likely that Taj is back. Yeah, and one of the death nails to me is that Presti talked about 
uh, Doug McDermott playing the four next year. So mm-hmm. Doug McDermott's going to play the four. So you have Adams. You have, I mean, I don't know if Cantor's going to be back. If Cantor's back, that's a ton of minutes soaked up right there. You have Sabonis, who they really believe in, and they're going to play him next year. You have Jeremy Grant, who is now a big man. We're already up to four guys. And then you're also going to play Doug McDermott at the four. That's five bigs, potentially. And then you're going to have Todd Gibson coming back. That's six bigs. I mean, there's just not enough room. Like, someone's got to go. Yeah. And maybe right. it's Cantor that goes. Maybe it's Cantor and Grant. Maybe I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, largely my answer is I have no idea. Um, but right. they can't have this many big guys. You can't play this many bigs in the NBA today. And if they do want to play McDermott at the four, uh, you someone's someone's got to go. Yeah. And we've talked before. I mean, just between Adams and Cantor, I mean, there's $40 million tied up, mm-hmm. you know, in two big men. Um, and then if you add Taj into that as well, who – you know, he would take he would take time away from Sabonis and Grant, which it's still going to be important next season to develop those guys um, because they are you know going to be the future of the team. So uh, if I had if I had to guess right now, I would say that Todd and Cantor will both move on this summer um, and they'll, you know, they'll put the you know, they'll put their money in two different areas, basically, um, mm-hmm. because there's just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Then you start becoming like you know, a much more talented New Orleans Pelicans when they've invested so much money in big men in today's game. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. And you, (laughs) it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work unless, unless somehow one of these guys turns into Shaq. Like there's just not (laughs) like there's big guys just aren't changing the game right now. The game is faster. Right. You can't, you just can't keep up. And they, yeah. they showed that with the Rockets, and I know if they would have if they would have played a different team, it would have been a different story. But I think after this playoffs, if the Rockets make it to the conference finals, I just think that more teams are just going to say, you know what, uh, we get, we've got to play fast. Even you look at Boston, you look at Washington, you look at all these teams uh, that are going to end up, you know, as a, some of the final four teams, and they're all the all these teams shoot threes. They're all these three-point yeah. shooting teams. And when you have two bigs that can't shoot threes, uh, and you also have Andre Robertson, I mean, you're you're left with two guys in your starting lineup that shoot threes. One, that's Russell Westbrook, who traditionally is not a three-point shooter, and, one, and another is Oladipo, who shot his best percentage from three this season. And is he going to improve on that? Is he going to fall back? I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. really hard to, to be a successful NBA team and not shoot threes. And I love Todd Gibson. I think he's very good. Uh, but I think that you need to have, if you're going to keep Andre, that spot, the power forward spot, the power forward has to shoot threes. They just have to. Yeah. So that's when we talk about you know, Grant doing some of that. We talk about uh, you know Sabona showing the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, you know it's it's gonna it's gonna definitely be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But uh, those you know those are areas I expect to see some changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next question from Stephen M nine one eight. He said college is wrapping up for me, so give out some final grades for each player. So Russell Westbrook, A plus 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 plus. Pretty much, yeah. 
I mean, I, there there's some criticisms to go along there, but if when you just zero in on this season to do what he did, averaging a triple-double, he's the likely MVP, dragging this team to 47 wins. Um, yeah, I don't uh, – he was spectacular in so many yeah. ways. Uh, Victor Oladipo, this is a little, little bit more difficult. What would you give Oladipo? Um, I'm thinking – I'm thinking like B minus. Yeah. Yeah. B minus C plus B minus range where he, I think B minus is good because he, he did have a good season. It's not like he had an awful Mm -hmm. season. He shot the ball. Well, Uh, I do think that he was a solid defender. I don't think he was some kind of crazy explosive defender. Like we had maybe hoped. Um, And he also wasn't the ball handler that we, thought he was going to be um maybe he still could be that but this season he wasn't that he was basically a three and d player and he served his role well so yeah b minus uh robert robertson robertson Mm, I'm, i'm weighing things here in my mind um I'm, I would probably go B minus as well. Okay. Because like A plus defense, but D offense right. does that average out to like a B minus? <laughs> I know, and I it's hard. Like what what scale are we grading them on? Are we grading them on like what their potential is or what their abilities are? Yeah. And like, did they max out their abilities? I mean, I'm I'm more inclined to get closer to B plus for Robertson because he just was that good on defense, and he'll probably make the all defensive second team which he's very deserving mm-hmm. of uh, but you're right i mean 24 percent from three uh, an effective field goal percentage of uh 51 free throw percentage 42 percent uh he was he just was not was not great <laughs> this season yeah um yeah on, on the offensive end he was a he was a negative in a season where Russell Westbrook had to do a lot, and he was one of the big reasons why. He played 30 minutes a yeah. game, and when you have a guy out there that's a zero on offense that plays 30 minutes a game who can give you basically nothing on offense uh, besides stuff on the break and an occasional spot-up three, uh, that – I mean, if you're wondering why Russ had such a crazy usage rate is because Andre Robertson played the third most minutes on the team. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's the story, I think. And he's yeah. a very important to what they did, and they're not a top ten defensive team without him. But um, he makes life easy for us on one end, and incredibly difficult on the other. <laughs> no doubt. Um, he, he's an absolute conundrum. We'll talk about him throughout the summer. Uh, Stephen Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking B. Yeah. I'm going to go with C just because I think the expectations and we know that he has more ability to, to has the ability to be better. Um, I'm going to go with a C. I think that he was just okay. I think he had a good defensive season. I think that he showed the ability to do some things on offense that we were hoping that he could do. Um, but his aggressiveness on offense just really wasn't there. His assertiveness wasn't there, uh, and there was a month where he was—he just had dropped off the face of the earth, and mm-hmm. was not good. Was not helping this team. Ennis Cantor had a better plus-minus um, than he did for a couple months there, and I just—I 
I just know that he can be better. And I think some of it is that he was just so locked into the role of I'm going to do whatever it takes to win for this team. I'm going to sac- make sacrifices. And he's also, he's almost made way too many sacrifices, uh, especially on the right. offensive end, because uh, he should be more involved. He should be There should be a lot of screen and rolls for him and, and Russ, and there just weren't. There should be even post-ups for him, and he should be able to pass out of the post. Uh, and they didn't give him opportunities. I don't know if that's a Steven thing. I don't know if that's a Billy thing. I don't know. Um, but he has the ability to be better. And for whatever reason, he just wasn't. And he could come back and be a lot better next season. But, and I do think that the contract he got was good. I don't. I'm not ready to bail on him or anything. Uh, but I do think that he can be better than than what he showed this season. Even though I think that he had a he had a good season, uh, but the expectation was that he could step into being that second guy on this team. And he, I still do believe he has the second most talent on this team. But uh, he did not show that. Yeah, um, I'm I'm giving him a bit of a pass because you know I'll, he probably could have averaged a lot of rebounds per game, but the scheme became let's we'll get rebounds for Russ. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, you factor that in. Um, I, yeah, his offensive game has improved. You're right. There are times where he could have been a little more aggressive. It seemed like. Um, and he has that terrible tendency to just kind of fade out once mm-hmm. in a while. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving because I also think, I also feel like expectations coming out of the playoffs last year were a little too high sure. for him. Um, and so I, I wasn't quite anticipating the heights that a lot of people set for him. So, you know, and that, that's where I'm settling in on, on my grade scale. Yeah. yeah and that makes sense. I just, I'm saying this from a place of love, Stephen, because I know that you can be better. Um, yeah, and, Ennis, and I think you will. Ennis Cantor. Oh, let me see. Let me factor in uh, offense plus defense plus chair punching. Um, <laughs> I am, boy, I'm somewhere between like C plus and D minus. Or I'm sorry, B minus, not D minus. Yeah. Um, to me, he was well, on his way. Probably he, right there. Yeah. To me, he was on his way to an A um, until he broke his arm. Yeah. Uh, because he and was, it's like his game he was, changed after that. Mm-hmm. He was maxing out his ability um, as a player, I thought, at least at this stage of his career, uh, with his ability to pass out of the post. He was really reading the defense and taking his time and still just killing guys in the post. His rebounding was was outstanding. He, his defense wasn't really all that bad. Um, and then when he came back after the injury, uh, it was as if he forgot how to pass. He wasn't even looking to do it, uh, which was really disappointing because I really thought that that gave the Thunder a dynamic uh, that they hadn't had on that second unit. And it also made it to where the Thunder didn't fall off a, complete, a cliff whenever Russ went out because he could come in and kind of carry the offense. And that stopped after February. In February, he was a plus 9.9 when he was on the court. March, he was a minus 1.5. And then in April, he was a minus 3. Uh, so he, he had an incredible February. And January and Fe- February was only, was only three games, so it's not like that was a massive sample size. But he was a plus... 
2.9 in December. He was a plus 0.2 in January and plus 9.9 in February. Um, and he was doing great things those three months and those few days in February. But then the last 22 games, uh, he was pretty ineffective. He had a defensive rating of 110 and 111 in March and April. His offensive rating fell off a cliff in April. Those seven games, he was a 108 on offense and a 111 on defense. He was uh, he, he was just not good for the Thunder. So um, I think that I would give him probably a C for the season, a C-plus for the season, just because I don't – I think that he could have been better, and I think that that one mistake, um, although a lot of players punch things – I think that that really <laughs> screwed up his season and got the Thunder out of a rhythm because they were in a rhythm and they were really playing yeah. very well until until he went out and that cost the team. So I think I think you know what it, it reminds me. So my my son, I think he was you know between one and one and a half years old. I mean he he had developed a few words. I mean as you know toddlers tend to. Then he had to have a minor operation, and then like he lost all the words. Like mm-hmm. he was basically back to ground zero. We, you know, we had to go through like some speech therapy with him. He's fine now, but I mean, it just makes you wonder. I mean, like you know, he, he had some words. He had surgery. He lost the words. And Cantor had a passing ability. He had surgery. He lost the passing ability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just the anesthesia went and, and killed a part of the brain or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that. That he is not—he's not a naturally gifted passer, and I feel like there's a mm-hmm. lot of big guys that are. I think Sabonis is actually a naturally gifted passer. I think even Stephen Adams has a natural ability to pass. Uh, it has taken a ton of work uh, for Ennis Cantor to become a passer, and it—I don't know—it—it just—he—he was—he just lost the ability to do it, um, and it's not like he was like dishing out 10 assists a game or even five assists a game. We're talking like he was averaging an assist a game. Um, and that was a big step forward. Um, but that stopped in April in seven games in April, he had three assists. Um, and it's, and some of those could have happened even by accident. (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to take some work. And if he does come back, I, I do expect him to be better because he's come back every season with the Thunder. He's come back better, and he has he has helped this team. And if he does shoot threes, like Presty said, and I don't know if that's a, a pitch to other GMs or if that's a you know a, a real weapon that the Thunder are going to use, uh, I think that that would help this team a lot. If he was a, a you know a, a competent three point shooter, he didn't shoot hardly any threes at all this season. Let me look at his total. He shot 38 threes this season, um, which might even be a career low because he took he took threes in Oklahoma City the year before um, and certainly did in Utah some. Uh, let's see. No, he actually took less last season. I thought that he – I thought I remembered – maybe it's just that I remembered him making more. He made 10 threes last season. Mm-hmm. He made five this season. He only took 21 last season. Um, no, it's definitely not a career low. That's my fault. Um, but in Utah, his last season in Utah, he had taken 45 threes total. It was 35%. I just – I guess I just don't know why that wasn't tried whenever the Thunder desperately needed three-point shooting this season. 
and they basically just threw him down in the post. Um, but he's, I think he could be effective from, from range. You know, and some of that, I, I remember in, um, in the, the preseason, uh, interviews, talking to Ennis about or, or asking Ennis about that. And he talked about how, well, that's usually when he's playing with Steven, like, you know, mm-hmm. he'll be the guy that pops out to the three point line. Yep. Um, and I, I don't have the stats. I don't know how many minutes those two played together, but it wasn't a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, maybe that's what it was. It just, they didn't have a lot of lineups where it was, where it allowed Cantor to pop out and, and do that thing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but in in a league where there's basically no post play anymore, like the post play that you're going to see right now if you're watching the playoffs is coming from the guards, and it's, it's because they can operate down there and they can be very versatile and they can pass out of the post and stuff like that. Yeah. But you're not going to see a big man back to the basket, slow it down, dump it in the post. I mean, that is virtually dead unless you're DeMarcus Cousins – um, I can't even think of another big man that they that a team <laughs> would want to do that with. Um, right. It just is not there anymore. And Cantor does have a lot of skill. And I think that they will still throw it to him in the post. I think that that isn't awful for a guy like him who can score. Um, but that's and he's good that, in the men range too. He is. Uh, but that game is it's it's dying unless a guy. Yeah like Cousins or a guy similar to him or similar to Shaq or somebody that can just kill people um, on the block, uh, that, that game is it's dying. And it's, it, it will take a special, special player to change that. And Ennis Cantor is not that special, special player. <laughs> I, and I also think, too, a lot of this was just, you know, kind of zigging while the other teams were zagging and kind mm-hmm. of dealing with what they had to work with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they found a lot of advantages on dumping down to Ennis Cantor. And at one point, what, what did Fred dig up the stat that out of Cantor post up to Thunder were averaging like 120 some odd points for 100 possessions? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they were getting a lot of production out of doing that. They were. And it was when he was passing and whenever he right. was more versatile. Uh, but that fell off a cliff pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Next, let's go to Demonis Sabonis. Um, I am thinking D. B. D. Oh, D. Okay, I was going to say like as in make... Demont- as in Demontis <laughs> as in Domas. D. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, make your case for B. <laughs> that is some hot ham. Giving him a B. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a total failure, but he. Uh, he did not have a good rookie campaign. His first few games, he showed some promise. Uh, but the way that he ended the season, his low confidence, um, it, it was not a good look. Uh, I still think he can be a good player, but uh, he's he's got a ways to go, and I think a lot of it's mentally. Yeah. I mean, he had what long stretches where he didn't attempt a free throw. Yes. Um, his three point shooting settled in under 32%. Um, and yeah, there was points where, I mean, it was pretty obvious he hit the rookie wall, which is why, you know, I'm going to give him into his second season before drawing a whole lot of long-term conclusions on him. Um, you know, the defensive numbers look good on him, which is good for a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's encouraging, but yeah, there are certainly things offensively. If you go and look at his offensive stats, um, 
that they're not going to uh, they're not going to wow you, or if they do, they're going to wow you negatively. Right. Uh, yeah, he had he had some odd splits too this season. He shot thirty five or almost thirty six percent from three on the road and twenty eight percent at home. That was a weird <laughs> kind of split. Um, that was like Robertson a couple of years ago. Yes, where he yeah he only hit threes on the road <laughs> a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, his his offensive ratings were awful at home. His offensive rating was eighty nine. And on the road, his offensive rating was 94. Uh, mm-hmm. He 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 just struggled. Uh, it's gonna it's a big adjustment for him. But you can see the flashes of of a guy that is going to be a good NBA player from him. Uh, and looking at the numbers, uh, I don't see many flashes, John. But um, eye test says otherwise. So uh, yeah. I'm I'm hopeful for him next season. I think it's going to be good to get him in summer league um, yes. again around, you know, Thunder coaching staff and some Thunder teammates and, you know, actually kind of probably centering the offense around him as much as they can. I know summer league is typically pretty guard heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, last season he was with his, uh, uh, he was with his national team playing at the Olympics. So you know, I, I I think there are some things coming up this summer and through training camp that could better prepare him for this season. And and yeah, then you know then we'll start getting a lot more critical. Yep. Um. Let's let's save the rest of these because I think that this question could go on forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's save some of these and we'll we'll continue to evaluate the season that was. Um, but we'll stop with Sabonis and we'll move on to our next question. This is a great question from at Jim underscore Thomas underscore. He asks, 2013 Tabo or 2017 Robertson? Man, 13 Tabo was really good. <laughs> he was really good. Uh, <laughs> so Tabo, he's an effective field goal percentage of 59%. That season, this past season for Robertson, 51. Three-point percentage for Tabo. He he shot nearly 42% from three that season on three attempts yeah, a was, game. That was uh, basically an outlier. It was. That season. It was. Uh, he took 258 threes that season. So, I mean, he had a, a decent number of attempts. Uh and he hit forty one percent of them. He was hitting from the free throw line as well. He was eighty two percent from the line. He hardly ever went to the line. Uh, Andre Robertson has a, a better free throw rate than than Tabo did. But some of that could be that teams wanted to put Robertson to the line uh, and mm-hmm. were more willing to foul him, where Tabo was basically just primarily a spot up shooter uh, and also a transition. If you don't remember Tabo in transition, he was horrible. <laughs> Um, yeah, oh, and, I remember. And uh, so he he didn't get a lot of opportunities to get to the line because of those things. But you just look at if you're just looking at the numbers and you kind of think back to what Tabo was that season, uh, you would much rather have a that Tabo Cephalosha. You look at like these advanced numbers like Vorp. Uh, he was a three point one that season. Andre was a one point two this season. Uh, box score mm-hmm. plus minus. Andre was a point one. Tava was a three point five. I mean, Tava was a great player that season for OKC in two thousand thirteen. He was twenty. He was twenty eight years old. So it's not like Andre couldn't get better. But I don't ever see 
Andre Robertson shooting 42% from three and shooting 82% from the line. Um, and Ta- and you know what? I didn't think that about Tabo either. I mean, you look back at Tabo Sepalosha's career, I did not think that he would ever be that kind of player. Uh, like, look at Tabo's first season in OKC. He was four, 24% from three in 2009. and Yeah, that's when he came over from Chicago. Yes. And then he's here's his three-point percentages. Tabo's had a long career. Um, yep. He, let's see, he shot over 30%, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. So he shot over 30% a lot. So he's under under 30 just a few times. Um, but he had those two seasons, a, a few magical seasons. He shot forty, almost 44% from three on, on only 1.7 attempts in 2012. And then 2013, the season that we're talking about, on three attempts a game, he's 42%. And then he fell off a cliff. He was 31% the next mm-hmm. season, 32, 33. And then this season, he's 34% for the Hawks. Um, I would rather, I would love to have that version of Tabo um, way more than Robertson because I think that Robertson's probably a better defender than Tabo was at that point. But the gap is not that, the gap isn't that big. Yeah. And so Tabo made, uh, all NBA second defense in 2009-2010. So this was a few years removed from that. But, I mean, go look at his offensive numbers from that year is where he shot 44% from the field, 31 from three, Mm -hmm. uh, like 67% from the free throw line. Um, So, yeah, that that was one where they actually did not factor in his offense into his defensive uh, credentials. Mm -hmm. And so – and that's when he was 25 years old. So it's kind of interesting to see – you know, how he and Robertson kind of line up there. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? I I don't, I don't want to say, you know, Andre can never get that three point percentage above league average or the free throw percentage up, you know, into the sixties or back to the sixties, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. but sure. I mean, there's, there's precedent for it. Yeah, it's possible. And he and Robertson are very similar in a lot of ways and that their defense first, uh, shooting guards, at least the thunder like to look at them as shooting guards, and they're incredibly like they're very mental players. And whenever Tabo had it going, I mean, he had it going for two years where mentally he was locked in and was able to hit those shots. And maybe Andre can reach that point because we saw in the playoffs, we saw Andre go from being incredibly confident just in the span of that one game. It was game four where he was incredibly confident and that confidence just completely died and that carried over into game five mm-hmm. where he was missing those free throws. And it's, it's just a matter of him believing in himself, honestly. And that sounds very simple. Um, but the psychology of this game is big time when it comes to some players. Some guys are just going to have it. Russell Westbrook has no problem with that. Um, even in his canter, it doesn't really seem to have a huge problem with that. Um, Steven Adams doesn't have a problem with being confident. Andre Robertson, however, his confidence waxes and wanes with what's happening on the court. Um, so I, it, it's it's kind of a, it's a big deal for him. And if he could figure out a way to be confident all the time, even in the midst of airballing free throws, uh, I think that would, <laughs> it would go a long way to helping his game. Yeah. All right. Let's see. 
This is from at Trust the Void. He says, I, this is continuing our Andre Robertson talk. I personally don't think Robertson will command a lot of money. Can you explain how matching slash cap reserves work for restricted free agents? And then he said, how, how will that affect signing Russ to the max extension? Yeah, it's not going to affect Russ at all. Um, and it, even if it was a situation of, well, do we extend Russ or do we extend Robertson? I mean, you're, you're going to extend Russ. Um, right. They could do both. I mean, they, they could pay Robertson big money and still extend Westbrook. So one's not going to interfere with the other. Um, as far as not commanding a lot of dollars, I mean, I, I kind of – here's what I'm concerned about is a team like Brooklyn mm-hmm. who last year – through big offers at Tyler Johnson and through big offers at Alan Crabb mm-hmm. because, you know, they were desperate to spend money. Uh, now, granted, those were offensive guys. Um, and so maybe, you know, Robertson wouldn't command, to, you know, quite that much. But, yeah, um, to me, he feels like – I know we've thrown a lot of numbers around, you know, like 4 and 50 or, you know, 4, potentially 60. Mm-hmm. 4 and 44 seems really seems really good for him. Um, if, if we, if we accept that it, you know, that he turned down 40 million, uh, before the season, bump that up a little bit, get him up to 44. Maybe that's a bit of a give back to Oklahoma city. Um, maybe that's a bit of a reward to him for the season he just had. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm concerned about is if another team out there, or even if they think, you know, well, we're going to, we're going to dare them to match this. We're going to, you know, if, if they match it they're screwed and if we imagine it we have to spend the money anyway right i think that the hope would be that the thunder finally get their guy that's going to just danny green patrick beverly just do the team a favor here and say like you help make me into the player i am today and I want to be able to help the team out, which is what Danny Green did. That's what Patrick Beverly did. And they both go look at their contracts. They are incredible values for their team, and they help them to bring in other guys. Uh, the, the Spurs don't yeah. have LaMarcus Aldridge if they have to sign Danny Green, or they just don't have Danny Green. Uh, the, the Rockets, yeah. if Patrick Beverly said, no, I need more, uh, they probably can't have both Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon this season. Um, yep. it, it takes a sacrifice at some point from someone and the Thunder just haven't, they haven't had that luck. I mean, they had a uh, Russ and KD when they signed their second deals where they didn't do the Rose rule and they didn't take everything they could, but they still took a massive deal. Uh, but usually it comes from a role type player to come in and say, I, I believe in this organization. I believe in what we're doing and I want to help. Um, yeah, but I don't know if Andre's that guy. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, he he could be. Um, he could be. Now, I mean, backing backing up a little bit. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, Durant got his max deal, uh, but he did not take a player option. Mm-hmm. That was his you know sort of give back. Uh, Russ, you know, declined the Rose Rule out of his contract. He took essentially a five percent less than the max uh, mm-hmm. cut. Uh, Serge Ibaka. I know that it, that extension was kind of mocked at the time, as all extensions are. Um, he probably could have commanded more if he went to free agency. Yeah, that's uh, true. Nick that's Collison. True. Nick Collison 
I think took less. If he would have gone into free agency, he probably could have got a full mid-level exception. So yeah, those are all those little sacrifices that I talk about. And these are the things that, you know, when I, when I talk to people on radio and they're talking about, you know, the things about the thunder and, and how they do things, I'm like, why was it okay for the guys in Miami or San Antonio to take all these cuts and oh, they you know they, they wanted to win titles, but when they do it in Oklahoma City, it's cheap ownership, it's bad management. You know, mm-hmm. They were doing a lot of the same things over the years. So that's the past, though. Moving forward, you're right. They could use a guy like Andre Robertson, willing to take to take a Danny Green if he wants to stay here. Uh, mm-hmm. That would that would be that would be beneficial. And I think in some ways they were trying to do that with Ennis Cantor a few years ago to get him on a long-term deal at probably a little bit less than what he wound up making. And that's not the deal he wanted. And, you know, that could be the one that ultimately winds up getting a move this summer. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that's just to, just to digress there. The Thunder have done that before to get some guys to buy in. They just kind of need that cycle to restart. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do. And they need some help because they're, they're just in a, in a tricky place because they're, Westbrook's ready for his new deal this summer, and basically the entire franchise hinges on that. Does he accept it? Mm-hmm. If he Pretty accepts much. it, great. Then they need to move forward and sign Andre Robertson, and they need to figure out if there are trades available for some of the guys that they have on the fringes, and then move forward. Uh, and I think Andre Robertson will be a high priority if Russ agrees. Uh, because they just cannot afford to take a step back. And as much as he hurts on the offensive end, he is that much helpful or even more helpful on the defensive end. And they they just have to bring him back. They cannot lose a talent like that for nothing. And hopefully he doesn't, he and his agent don't go to Brooklyn or to whoever, because it just takes one person to say, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd pay under under Robertson, eighteen million over the next three years, and what does the Thunder do then? I mean, I I think I would be inclined to say no, and then just try to move forward as you know, and make Vic your primary defender on the wing. Uh, but that's a step back for OKC, and it's it's going to be tough. There's a lot of really interesting things to happen this summer for for the Thunder, and number one is Russell Westbrook. Because um, if, like we talked about, if he does sign, they'll do all those things. If he doesn't sign, uh, look look for some some rumors about Boston to come up. Look for some rumors right. about L.A. to come up. Even Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix could be mm-hmm. in a really interesting position this summer. I mean, Phoenix could get the number one pick. And we've talked about even if Russ stays, Phoenix is in a very interesting position. Because uh, if they get the number one pick and they take Markel Fultz, um, Eric Bledsoe would be very expendable at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think they would even want to get rid of him. Um, and they'd want to get some rid of some of their veteran guys uh, because then they would have a very definable future in Devin Booker, Markel Fultz, and Dragon Bender, and Marquise Chris. Yeah. Uh, I think they would probably like to keep a Jared Dudley just because he's a good vet and he's he doesn't he's not terribly expensive but a guy like eric bledsoe probably could be had and whether or not they would want in his cancer is something carson i talked about on monday i don't know mm-hmm. um but he's a younger guy that could fit more of that timeline 
um, and he doesn't yeah. play the same position as all their other guys. So it, it's it's interesting. There's just a lot. There's a lot of things to unfold, and there's a lot of questions that we can't answer because we don't even know who's getting what draft pick. We have no idea. <laughs> right. Philadelphia could wind up with two juicy lottery picks. Right. You know, and that's a team that, you know, if there's indications that Russ isn't going to sign the extension, I mean, Philadelphia probably would be desperate enough for a top five player. You know, maybe they would push some of these chips to the table um, Mm -hmm. and, and offer up something ridiculous for Russ, as you mentioned, or the Lakers could keep their pick. In which case they keep the 2019 first round pick, and now they've got more assets to trade with. And yep. Yeah, um, we'll we'll know a whole lot more after the draft lottery. Yeah, this is one of the more important draft lotteries for the future of a lot of these teams, especially the Los Angeles Lakers, because they could lose out big yeah. time and they could be stuck. Uh, I think some yep. of the players they have now are okay. Um, but the difference in getting these next two first-round picks and then having to give them both away is franchise-altering. Um, yeah, they're not going to be in as bad no a doubt. position as Brooklyn, um, but the, they'll be in a they'll be in a tough spot. So it, it's be an interesting draft lottery. Uh, John, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at John M Ham. You can listen to your locally on the franchise. Uh, I think that they put some of those out as a podcast. You guys do your basketball show um, mm-hmm. on Saturdays with Jerry Ramsey, and you did it with Fred Katz this past weekend. Uh, really good stuff. So you can go check out, is it franchiseok.com where you can find those podcasts? Yes. Yeah, go yeah. listen to those. If you're if you're just desperate for some more <laughs> NBA coverage or Thunder coverage, uh, that's a really good source for that. If you have some time, leave us a five-star iTunes review. That would be really helpful to us. Thank you to those who have already done so, and I hope that you guys have a great Wednesday.